The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The dead of time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. This is going to be an adventure because, as I'm sure many of you, all of you have probably heard, there was a huge, huge tornado that tore through Nashville. Actually, there were a number of tornadoes that tore through Tennessee, and it's been a little rough around here recently. Wait, there was um, more luckily, than one? Yeah, I think oh, it was actually like that. six. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. It, and like, one of them, I think, was like an F4. It was a big deal. Um, but... I am okay. Thank you for everyone who checked in. Um, I slept through all of the tornado sirens and woke up the next morning still kind of feeling cruddy after being sick for over a week. And I went to go text my boss at 5 a.m. and realized my boss had already texted me to see if I was okay from the tornado and to let me know that she was okay from the tornado because the tornado hit way closer to her than me. She is okay. Everyone I work with is okay. Some of them lost their homes, but we're working on it. Um, How can you actually, sleep that's... through those? I was in Iowa when they were having a test, and that thing scared the crap out of me because I had never heard one before. And I was like, am I in Silent Hill right now? Like, it freaked okay, so... me out. <laughs> I didn't hear it for two reasons. Reason number one, I was dosed up like a mofo on NyQuil because I was sick. Um... Also, it was storming really bad, so it makes it kind of hard to hear them. Also, here, all of the sirens are at schools, and we do have a school near-ish to us, but not, like, super close. So, close enough that, you know, my neighbors and stuff and Jimmy heard it, but, like, I guess it was, like, words coming over, and the words were, there's a tornado warning, or a tornado watch, and that just means that currently the storm has the right setup to potentially cause a tornado it doesn't mean there's actually a tornado yet um but yeah so i slept through that because it was stormy and apparently it wasn't all that loud over here but um you know obviously there's a lot of damage in nashville and one of the things that was damaged was the fiber optic cable that provides my town with internet luckily we have a backup cable that runs from Texas. Unfortunately, someone in Texas decided to do some road work and dug too deep and severed that fiber. So there is no internet anywhere in my Did town they previously currently. do construction down here? <laughs> yeah, right? Mother truckers. So I'm like, uh, oh my God. And like, people are like freaking out. They're like, what am I supposed to even do? And I'm like, well, you know, c come to think of it, we don't have cable. So like Netflix is out, Hulu is out. 
Uh, most of my husband's video games are out because those are played online. Um, Make babies. <laughs> no comment. Uh, <laughs> what else is there to do? But anyways, so the dead of time. <laughs> dead of time. All right, so what I- had happened was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What happened last week? Well, I gotta try to not get our chapters mixed up because we recorded two episodes four times. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is this is the last episode we're re-recording. Next week will be a new chapter. Oh crap! Really? I thought this was a new ah uh, snapples. Nope, nope. We've recorded this one too. Oh my <laughs> god! Okay, so last time was when I got to yes, that's what happened. I got to do the voices for the sorting hat when they said the houses because they all got sorted (laughs) and hermione i i have to call her hermione because i'm gonna call her mia thermopolis but anyways um so so, what did mia thermopolis do (laughs) she met little baby snape and sirius and harry's mom and um the ministry of magic as a baby and yeah <laughs> the ministry of magic the minister of magic <laughs> um the minister of magic the, the mini mini the minister yeah it's the mini ministry of magic mini minister cuz he looks he like he's not the entire ministry he is not a tyrant yes <laughs> Uh, he looks like a Funko. Um, yeah. They all look like Funkos to you. Sorry, guys. At first, I was so grumpy I couldn't concentrate, and now I'm in a good mood and I can't concentrate, so I don't know where the middle ground lies with this. It's okay. This is our Friday the 13th episode, so I think people fully expect it to be weird. Yeah, and Mercury's in retrograde, so... Oh my god, is Mercury in retrograde. Everything bad is because Mercury is in retrograde. (laughs) And it's not even the season for my sign, so it's fine. Anyway, so yes, we met Snape, we met met Lily, we met baby Kingsley, everybody got sorted, Sirius got put into Gryffindor, life is good. Chapter 22 kind to me (sighs) september 2nd 1971 the morning after the sorting ceremony was spent at gryffindor table and in the great hall new and returning students eagerly devouring breakfasts alike maya smiled affectionately at her brother pushing his hair back in an attempt to make it sit flat much like their mother always did james retaliated by messing up his hair worse than ever and grinning defiantly at his sister Peter clung to Sirius' side the whole morning until the owls delivered or until the owls arrived to deliver the post. All the children had written home the night before, so James and Maya were not surprised to receive letters from their parents, who were excited over them both being sorted into Gryffindor. Each parent took a moment to offer words of advice for the coming year, and there was even a little note at the bottom of each letter from Tilly, who proudly praised the young Potters, writing how she knew they would get into Gryffindor because they were so very talented and brave. I'm not playing this game with you today, sir. You pooped, you peed, you played with your friends, you definitely tried to hump a boy. No. 
God damn it, you're cute. Look at this shit. <laughs> My dog's sitting and staring at me and wagging his tail and giving me his little milk chocolate eyes. I that. think we need to make a Max sticker for our listeners. <laughs> editor-in-chief and it's just a picture of my dog <laughs> yeah number one fan groupie because he keeps interrupting yeah he's the heckler yes there you go peanut gallery the reading was interrupted when a bright red envelope fell to the table in front of sirius dropped by a large eagle owl that attempted to bite the boy as he reached for it, snatching a sausage off of his plate before taking flight again. What's the red envelope? It's a howler, my favorite scene. <laughs> that is my favorite scene ever. How dare you take that cup? <clears throat> and I just love how she just like... And it is all your fault. Yeah, and then she just yells at him and she goes, Jenny, dear, we're so proud of you for making Gryffindor. It's like, okay. <laughs> and then just... Yeah, that's, that's my favorite. I wish I could send those for real. I would be so happy. Straight up. I mean, if we can send potatoes to people, why can't we send? I think you can actually send, like, poop to people. You can send, like, cow pies. Ooh. Also, you can send a bag of dicks. And they're like gummy dicks, so you can tell that person to eat a bag of dicks. Oh, I have ideas. Who don't I like? <laughs> I can think of a cute few. Bloody owl. Ster Sirius stared at the letter in front of him with a sigh. Well, I can't say this was unexpected. What's the matter? James asked. Wait, is that what I think it is? Maya shook her head, disgusted with Walburga Black. A howler. What's a howler? Lily asked, taking the seat beside Maya and looking across the table, curiously noticing the way Sirius was glaring down at the red envelope with disdain. James and Maya each winced, waiting for the oncoming storm, while Lily looked on eagerly. The rest of the table politely turned their heads away, though Sirius was already getting curious looks from the nosy neighboring tables of Ravenclaws and Hufflepuffs. Screw this, he growled, and reached for the letter, tearing it open in bold defiance. A roar of sound filled the entire great hall, and the enraged voice of a wailing Walburga Black deafened the large room. <clears throat> me, 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 me. La, 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 la. La 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 la. Okay, I'm ready. <clears throat> Had to make sure I can do that. Ah! <clears throat> this is going to be rough because I still got like a phlegmy throat because this cold will not go away. <coughs> All right. Serious Orion Black, you despicable excuse for a wizard bringing shame on the honor of my father's house. You have brought disgrace upon your family. How Dare you break tradition! <clears throat> you okay there, friend? <laughs> I broke cat. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god.
Maya scowled at the familiar screams, her body tightening in response to years of having had to listen to the woman's derisive remarks. Sirius sat firm, however, glaring at the crimson howler with pure hatred, while all the rest of the students shrank from the noise as if they were hearing their own parents. <clears throat> Think, Salazar, that we still have your brother to carry on the proper traditions of this noble house. You have been nothing but a disappointment since your birth. In fact, I wish you'd never been born, you wretched little... Incendio, Maya snapped with a flick of her wand. Instantly, the red envelope burst into flames and the screaming voice faded away in smoke as the envelope curled and fell into a small pile of ashes. James, Lily, and the other Gryffindors stared at Maya with wide eyes, clearly shocked to have seen her accurately cast such a spell, but she did not care. Her gaze instead fell upon Sirius, who continued to look down at the remnants of the letter as though it were still yelling at him. Thoughts? Concerns? Well, um, the I wish you had never been born thing is a little bit hostile, but okay. Like, I know you're mad, but Jesus, like, do you really gotta go there? True story, um, I actually know someone whose mother told them that they wish they had aborted them. That's rude. And that person was my grandfather, and that was his mother who said that to him. That's rude. Yeah, so when I mentioned that I really liked one name, and my mom said, you can't use that name because my grandmother was a bitch, and I was like... But was she really that bad? And my parents told me that story. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. We won't use that name. That's like Sting <laughs> recently publicly saying all of his kids were accidents. And he has like six of them. And I'm like, so you didn't understand after the first time. like <laughs> PNV at a certain time of the month often creates a baby. Yeah, wow, Sting. Like, you. what's your problem? Stop using your stinger. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, he makes really pretty sons, but Jesus. Yeah. Students eventually left the Great Hall for classes, but whispers followed Sirius for the rest of the day. Maya and James were there to glare at people who stared at him, especially the Slytherins who knew the Black family and had found the scene hilarious. Somehow, in the aftermath of the event, very few remembered that Maya had performed magic even before she had stepped foot inside of a classroom. When Remus joined his friends for class, looking the worse for wear even though he had slept in, Maya smiled and quietly filled him in on what had happened at breakfast. As they took their seats in charms, the young Gryffindors silently encircled Sirius with James and Maya on either side of him, Remus and Peter taking their seats in front and behind him respectively. Sirius said nothing to his friends to let them know he was grateful, but he did turn to Maya and offer a small smile. Distracted by the unsavory morning events and Sirius's smile, Maya was not paying attention when Professor Flitwick asked the first question. Can anyone tell me what the differences are between a charm, hex, jinx, and a spell? Maya knew the answer. She had spent six years at Hogwarts and was known as the brightest witch of her age. She had left her sixth year with top scores and received 11 OWLs during her fifth year. However, she had not been fast enough on this first day of charms. Lily Evans was faster. Her hand shot up in the air in record speed, and she shook it desperately, sitting on the edge of her seat. James and Sirius chuckled at the scene, and Maya stared at the girl from behind, horrified. 
Good God, is that what I look like? She quickly made the decision to relax and take her time, lowering her hand. Her over-eagerness to prove her talent and intellect was what got herself, Harry, and Ron off to a rough start, and she was supposed to be enjoying herself this year, or this life. Maya nodded quietly to herself, deciding that she would lay low. While she still planned on performing to her usual standards during lessons and exams, she knew she had nothing to prove to anyone else. September 5th, 1971. Days went by and the students fell into a comfortable routine. Lily showed great talent and charms, while James and Sirius both excelled at transfiguration, which was sometimes hard to believe, considering they looked to rarely be paying attention and were constantly getting into trouble. Unsurprisingly, Remus was excellent at defense against the dark arts, and Maya sat staring at him during the entire class with a knowing smirk on her face. Surprisingly, Peter was half-decent at potions, but was instantly topped by Lily Evans and Severus Snape, who became Professor Slughorn's favorites. Herbology was a nightmare for everyone when Lily accidentally put too much water in the pots containing the blossoming, bouncing bulbs, resulting in a class-wide mud fight led by James and Sirius. Almost everyone laughed and enjoyed themselves, except for Lily, of course, and Remus, who had been excused from class because he was sick. Maya frowned from the Gryffindor table in the Great Hall as her brother and friends ate dinner. It was a lazy Monday evening, and the sun had just set. A full moon hung in the sky, and she could not help but be worried about Remus, knowing that he was spending his first night alone in the Shrieking Shack. She excused herself early from the meal and snuck back to the dorms, where she dug into her trunk and pulled out a small bag of chocolate frogs that she kept on hand, just in case. She found her way into the hospital wing, where she smiled at Madame Pomfrey. Madame Pomfrey looked up. Crap, now I have to remember the voice. Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Well, hello! It's my, my Mrs. Doubtfire practice. Miss Potter, are you feeling well? Yes, I I'm adjusting, Maya said, knowing the meadow witch was probably curious. I, I was just wondering if Remus Lupin was cleared for visitors. I know he was sent here with a stomachache a few days ago. She said the words, but let her eyes do the talking for her. She hoped that Madame Pomfrey would understand. If the meadow witch caught on, she refused to acknowledge anything specific about Remus or his current condition. No visitors tonight, dear. Perhaps tomorrow. She understood, because she knew that Remus was not in the hospital wing at all, but in a shack beneath the full moon somewhere between Hogwarts and Hogsmeade. Would it be all right if I left something for him? She asked, holding out a handful of chocolate frogs. These are his favorites. They'll make him feel better. Madame Pomfrey inclined her head. I'll take them, dear. It's very nice of you to think of him. He's my friend. Maya smiled sadly, and turned to walk away. The following day, Remus was still missing from class, recovering in the hospital wing. He, he rejoined his friends that night for dinner, taking a seat directly next to Maya, who smiled sweetly and filled his dinner plate for him while he lifted his arms on the table and rested his chin between his palms. She gently brushed the fringe from his forehead. He looked up at her, gratefully, as he reached into his pocket to pull out a chocolate frog card, placing it silently in front of her. She looked down and saw the bold face of Godric Gryffindor staring up at her. The bottom of the card, in handwritten ink, read, Thank you. Maya smiled at him. You're welcome.
October 4th, 1970. I have a question. I have an answer. Like, I don't know if I've asked this before, but how come there is no spell or something to, like, make him not transform anymore? So, um, Alfred, I have to keep you up because you're not listening to me through the microphone. You're listening to me through, the, through my phone. Um, <clears throat> so... If, say, he had high blood pressure or cancer or something human, magic would probably be able to affect it. Because his ailment is magical, there's not a whole lot he can do. So, like, there is a potion, but it hasn't been invented yet. That's why she was so excited about Damocles Belby. Damocles Belby is going to invent what is called the Wolfsbane Potion, and it is something that you can take in the days leading up to the full moon, and that's what allows Remus to sort of keep his head when he transforms. So he's still going to have to turn into a werewolf because he got bit by a werewolf, and now that's in his DNA, so there's nothing he can do about it. But instead of becoming into, like, a raving monster, he would... So... The way they kind of explain it is Remus has his consciousness, but he also has his Mooney consciousness. And Mooney's the wolf. And Mooney takes over during the full moon and he becomes full wolf. And so he, it's like Remus is taking a back seat and can't really control himself when he's the werewolf. But with the Wolfsbane potion, he gets to stay in control. And so he becomes sort of like a docile little wolf puppy instead of, you know, a murderous monster. Oh, because at first when you said he gets to keep his head, I was like, so he has a human head and a wolf body. That's disturbing, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> That's a little bit freaky, but okay. But okay, yeah, like that kind of sucks, but I guess being more tame is better than nothing. Yep, yep. It's a curse. There's not a whole lot he can do, but... Oh my god, my So this like happened in like an accident, right? Like he didn't like purposely get bitten, which I don't know how that would happen, but No. So I think I explained a couple episodes ago, but it's been a while, so I understand. Um his dad was very, very, very anti werewolf and did a lot of stuff with the Ministry of Magic to try and control werewolves and not in a very nice way. And so to get retaliation, Fenrir Greyback attacked his child, who was Remus. So Remus was turned as sort of like a revenge thing. Oh, that's rude. Yeah. Because remember, he was like two or four when it happened. He was a baby. Oh, okay. So. Oh, so him and Harry kind of have like a, a baby accident happening thing going on. Yes, ma'am. Okay, cool. October 4th, 1971. Despite finding herself bored with the actual classwork since she knew it all, Maya kept herself busy by taking care of her brother and friends. James and Sirius had already received attention once for being caught out of their bed after hours, attempting to find the kitchens to sneak snacks back to the dorms. Remus did his best to stay out of trouble, but James and Sirius were relentless in trying to get him and Peter involved in their escapades. Maya was slowly building friendships with her roommates, Lily, Mary, and Alice, who were far less annoying than Lavender and Pavardi. During the approaching full moon, Remus fell ill once again, and Maya's heart clenched inside of her chest as she watched the boy descend into sickness. 
She felt hopeless and helpless and anxious, and when he disappeared to the hospital wing early Sunday morning, it took hours of pacing back and forth in front of the headmaster's office before Maya finally said, Acid pops! <laughs> the gargoyle retreated, allowing her to walk up the spiral staircase. What are acid pops? Because that seriously sounds like something our parents did in the 60s or something. Like, what is that? <laughs> uh, think warheads. Oh, Okay. Like, that does not sound, that's like, that sounds like when bath salts were going around, acid pops, people are ingesting acid pops, do, tell your kids. Yeah. The gargoyle retreated, allowing her to walk up the spiral staircase. Dumbledore greeted her with a smile. Good evening, Miss Potter. How can I help you this night? I hope there's nothing, it's nothing to do with the circumstances surrounding your presence here in 1971. I've had little time to arrange a secure investigation into your time, Turner. She paused, caught off guard by his words. Had she already forgotten that Dumbledore promised to look into the time, Turner, and potentially send her home? Wait a second. I know I asked this last time, but I don't remember. Why is he investigating her time, Turner? Uh, to try and send her home. Oh. Okay. Well, fine. Also, I don't want to be here last anyway. time. <laughs> if you asked it last time, ask it again this time. Nobody heard what you said last time. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Nobody knows. The guy in 2B is not here. They don't know. Okay. Nobody knows. Yeah, it's like uh, in the early Grey's Anatomy days, the theme song was like, nobody knows. Oh, God, I miss the theme song days. Yeah, I need a Grey's Anatomy support I, group. Does anybody want to start one? I haven't <laughs> finished the last episode because my internet went out while I was watching it, and I haven't been able to finish yet because there's no internet in Tennessee. Yeah, I need a support group. Like, I need some help here. Yeah, I, I lost right before Joe was about to start reading. <gasps> so, yeah. No, I literally only got through Meredith. That's it. Oh, God. And you still have Bailey. Oh, God. I'm not prepared. Yeah. Anyway, I'll I watch it on my phone afterwards. Two minutes in, I was already crying. And I was like, what, oh, yeah. what is this? Damn you, Sean, it rhymes. <sighs> <sighs> this has been a Grey's Anatomy break. <laughs> to dead of time. Oh, yeah, that's right. We stopped talking about Harry Potter and made a movie. Oh, your hair is blonde. I forgot your hair is blonde. Take your hair down. I need to see your blonde hair. Oh, my God. It's not really that blonde. Like, Brianna wants me to go lighter, but I'm like, let's slow our roll. We got to have somebody who has just come back into my life get used to it first, and then we can figure out what to do. It's a little bit Lion King right now, but. It's cute. I like it. It's Wanna be singing See, I'm holding, I'm holding Claire up like Simba right now. Y'all can't see me. Simba. You know, if you go on my Instagram, the last picture I posted, you can see it a lot better. But yes. Now, Brianna, that's blonde. Jesus Christ! Like it looks good, but Jesus. No, sir. I did not imagine you had already done so. It's fine. I'm growing accustomed to this new life, and I've been... forced. No, tricked into. She ignored the terms that floated across her mind. Presented with. 
I'm doing what you said, following the rules that Remus left me. Yes, your future, Mr. Lupin. I've noticed you've taken quite a shine to another Mr. Remus Lupin here at Hogwarts. I can only assume that they are one and the same. She nodded with a sad smile. They are, Professor. As much as I caution myself about knowing more about the future, I cannot deny that it gives me great relief to have a bit of knowledge concerning this one particular student, he said, sharing in her expression. That's actually the reason I've come tonight, sir, Maya said. I know. You know? I know the real reason for the Whomping Willow. I know the real reason the Whomping Willow was planted this year, sir. I see. I'd like to request special permission to stay with him. Not in the shack, of course, she said quickly. But before and after. In the future, I've taken care of him. I know how to heal his wounds and what potions he needs to let the pain pass by easier. She wished she knew the one that would make the most difference. The Wolfsbane potion. But that would not come to exist for several years. Dumbledore momentarily lost that constant twinkle in his eyes. There is no cure for lycanthropy, Miss Potter. No, but he's my friend. And knowing what I know, I can't let him be alone, she looked down. It's painful. You have a good heart, Miss Potter, and good intentions. But regardless of your presence, young Mr. Lupin will experience the pain of his transformations. Dumbledore spoke clearly, with great sympathy in his voice. Maya knew that he had been the whole reason that Remus was even allowed to attend Hogwarts. He had a personal investment in the boy. I mean, it's painful for me, she said anxiously, and then jumped to clarify, to know that he suffers alone. I see. I suppose you have a way to inform him that you know of his condition? Yes, sir. In my original timeline, I'd figured it out on my own, she said. <clears throat> remembering the essay that Snape had forced her to write, purposely hoping that someone like her would figure out Remus's secret and publicly out him. But she had kept that secret for nearly the entire year. I assume I'll just go along similarly to the way I did before. Dumbledore smiled gratefully. Then you have my permission to visit him during times when he is ill. She sighed in relief. Thank you, Professor. Unfortunately, Professor Sprout has already escorted young Mr. Lupin beneath the Whomping Willow for the night. You are, however, welcome to wait for him in the hospital wing. Give this note to Madame Pomfrey, which will explain your presence. I give her permission to assist you with any potions you might have need of in order to help Mr. Lupin recover more easily. October 5th, 1971 Several hours later, Maya awoke in the hospital wing, having been offered a bed by Madame Pomfrey to wait out the long hours until the moon finally set and it was safe to have Remus brought back to the infirmary. She nervously waited for the meadow witch to levitate him onto a nearby bed, and, when her gaze finally fell onto his broken and bleeding form, she covered her mouth to stifle the sob that threatened to escape her. "'I thought you'd seen this before, Miss Potter,' Madame Pomfrey asked. "'I—' Maya frowned and wiped the tears from her eyes. I have, it's just, he's so young. It's not fair. She made her way to the side of the bed, looking down at an unconscious Remus. In the future, he would be able to wake himself shortly after sunrise, but now, being so small and so young, the pain was too much to bear. She took herself and stiffened her spine. He needs a calming draft while I heal his wounds. 
It's on the table, dearie, Madame Pomfrey pointed, and Maya nodded, reaching for the file. After tipping the potion down Remus's throat, she examined the small scars scattered around his face, noticing that they were not from Mooney's claws, but more than likely from the wolf throwing himself against the shack in frustration. Some even still had splinters in them that Maya slowly and carefully removed. After Madame Pomfrey gently levitated and flipped Remus's body, Maya turned her attention to the deep wound that ran the length of his back along his spine, knowing that this was where his skin split open during the transformation. Lifting her wand, she siphoned off the blood silently before repairing the skin. She did her best to remain emotionless, despite the fact that it reminded her of the immediate aftermath of the war. Okay, I have a question. Like, this may sound like, I don't know what the word is, but it just, it's kind of like, curious to me. Um... Okay, so when he transformed, his skin kind of like busts open. It kind of sounds like, right? So, mm-hmm. like, when he gets back to a human, like, it comes back together. But if this is just going to happen again, like, is the point of repairing his skin, like, necessary? Like, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like, if it's just going to happen, like, why? Like, I don't get it. Okay. Somebody is going to cut you deep in the leg with a knife every month on the first of the month. Do you want somebody to try and magically heal that wound so that it doesn't get super infected before the next first of the month? Okay, well, I didn't really think about it like that. Like, it kind of, in my head, I was kind of picturing more like it just scars over because it's magic. Well, yeah, it does scar over with her help. Right now, it's like an open cut and bleeding. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I didn't get that from that. Huh. You're quite skilled at that, Miss Potter. May I ask if you were a healer in your previous life? Maya frowned, thinking of the war. No, just skills I had to pick up over the years. Perhaps with the second chance at life you've been given, those skills could be put to good use in a career, Madame Pomfrey offered with a kind smile. I'm grateful that I have years to think about it, Maya admitted. Remus's letter told her to live her life and enjoy her life. She would do so by not worrying about the future, at least no more than she needed to. He should wake soon, Madame Pomfrey cautioned, as she watched Maya apply drops of dittany to the marks on Remus's face. There's more calming draught and the pain potion should you have need. I'll leave the two of you alone. Being alone, waiting for Remus to wake up, Maya could not help but recall the first time she had helped to heal her friend. It's all my fault, Hermione cried into her hands. I should have asked Snape to teach me before. I think everyone was a bit busy. Yeah? Tonks cut her off and gave her a sad, crooked smile. I should have learned how to brew the potion. Now Remus is suffering. Hermione wiped her eyes. She had looked into the potion, of course, but with tracking down her parents only to find the oblivion irreversible, she had been too distracted to brew anything, let alone brew a potion that could prove lethal if improperly done. This is not your fault, Tonks insisted, her tired eyes dark. She and Hermione had been up for hours, listening as the wolf in the basement below howled and threw himself roughly against the metal bars of the cage that kept him locked inside. Even Padfoot had not been able to keep him calm all night. Teddy had caught a small cold, causing Remus to worry and stress, which apparently made the wolf inside of him as anxious as ever. Sirius had wanted to take him somewhere to spend the full moon outdoors, where he could run off his energy, but 
There was not any place secure enough, and there was no way of knowing if Mooney would try to make his way back to Tonks and Teddy, hurting anyone in his path on the way. During the night, every time he let out a loud growl, followed by a painful yelp, Tonks and Hermione jumped and closed their eyes tightly. "'You think he's up yet?' Hermione wondered, looking at the light from the morning sun streaming through the cracks in the curtains. "'Almost,' Tonks said with a sigh of relief. "'I thought I'd give him an hour after the last of the howling stops. Give him a chance to recover his modesty before I go down. It's nice of you to come and help.' "'Remus has always been there for me when I've gotten hurt,' Hermione shrugged, remembering how she had woken up after the battle in the Department of Mysteries at the end of fifth year, and it had been Remus by her bedside, offering to take care of her while still quietly grieving over the death of Sirius.' All right, let's head down. As the two witches made their way into the basement of Grimmauld Place, Hermione was instantly met with the smell of blood and sweat. She frowned as Tonks walked ahead to make sure Remus was at least clothed. Padfoot was asleep in the corner, looking worse for wear, having spent the entirety of the night trying to keep the werewolf in check. Hesitantly, stepping forward, Hermione eyed the cage at the end of the room where Tonks, wand at the ready, inclined her head to her. Remus had instructed them to be on guard. He stated that, even after transforming back to his human state, the wolf might linger beneath the surface. There was no way to tell what the lack of wolf's vein potion would do. Remus? Hermione whispered as she approached the open door of the cage. Remus's eyes, she was surprised to see, were golden as he deemed to register her presence. When he made eye contact with her, he growled, low and dangerous. Padfoot, instantly awake, snarled in warning. Hermione looked over her shoulder at the dog before returning her attention to Remus. She kept her distance and knelt on the floor without making any sudden movements. Tonks, roll him the file of the calming draft. He's Remus, but the wolf is still on edge. The drought should bring him down, she explained, and watched carefully as Tonks pulled a small file out of the bag that Hermione had prepared, rolling it forward towards Remus who stared at it. Remus, take the potion, Hermione instructed, tilting her head to the side and exposing her neck as a sign of submission. His lupine eyes appeared to glow for a moment at the sight before changing to the usual soft green irises. He let out a wince of pain and reached immediately for the file, tipping its contents down his throat, coughing, and then collapsing on the ground. Hold him while I tend his back. Hermione said to Tonks, as they both moved swiftly into the cage and over to Remus's body. <clears throat> Hello, love. Tonks sat down by his head, stroking her fingers through his sweat-soaked hair and pulling gently on his shoulders to show the fresh wounds on his back to Hermione, who quickly removed the blood and healed the skin. When Hermione finished, she signaled to Tonks, who turned Remus back over and smiled into her mate's eyes. Come here, let me clean up that beautiful face. Remus frowned, struggling to keep from sobbing through the pain of or falling unconscious. It hasn't been this bad in years. Tonks kissed his forehead. The wolf's worried about Teddy, is all. It's to be expected. Mumfire called this morning, by the way. He's already feeling better. Remus let out a sigh of relief, wincing in pain when Hermione mended another wound. Hermione whimpered. I'm so sorry, Remus. Not your fault, he said, reaching out and taking her hand. For some reason, the gesture looked like it brought him more comfort than it did her. 
I should have learned the potion when I had the chance. Remus shook his head. There's nothing to apologize for, Hermione. If anyone can figure out how to properly brew Wolfsbane potion for me, it'll be you. I know you can do it. He smiled at, over at her, but then hissed as a new painful sensation rocked its way through his body. I'm going to get more pain potion for you. Hermione moved to stand. Tonks shook her head and stepped out of the way. You get it. Or, you stay. I got it. Sorry. Flubbed that. She walked past Padfoot, motioning for him to follow. When the dog hesitated, she sighed. Come on. You need your rest too, you know. Tonks took the stairs up, two at a time, Padfoot slowly following after her. Hermione studied the beaten man in front of her, feeling awkward. He was shaking from the pain. Biting her lip, she moved forward, almost on instinct, to run her fingers soothingly through his hair, just as Tonks had done. He smiled with evident relief, his voice breaking a little when he quietly said, Thank you, Hermione. You have always been very, very kind to me in regards to my condition. She frowned, wiping a falling tear from her eye. You've never deserved anything less than kindness, Remus, she whispered, and sat in shock as he broke down at her words. The man let out a quiet sob and pulled his arms around her waist, his shoulders shaking. His eyes widened, or her eyes widened in surprise that he would show her such vulnerability, but she continued to stroke his hair, whispering words of comfort. A swaft, soft swear on the stairs alerted her to Tonks' return, and Hermione stiffened for a moment, realizing that her position might look incredibly inappropriate in front of Remus's wife. Tonks, however, did not appear to care in the slightest. Instead, she looked grateful and relieved as she approached, handing over the vial of pain potion. You know, I might be overthinking this, but I'm just, like, curious. So, he got bit when he was a baby. So, he's been transforming into a werewolf since he was a baby. So, throughout of his, like, growing process, what is this doing to his bones and his organs? Like, that must be, like, some kind of intense. Like, is there, like, a medical fan fiction or something about what this is doing to his body? Because I would read that. <laughs> Fans, if you know of anything medical that explains werewolfery, we would like it. Lycanthropy. There's the word. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, so yeah, it's rough. And also imagine that when he's a four-year-old transforming into a wolf, he's not transforming into a 30-year-old wolf. He's transforming into a four-year-old wolf that kind of looks like a puppy. And he's just this little baby tiny werewolf. Yeah, so it's like but, even when he is a person, does he still like get into that mindset and go to the bathroom outside like it's just like all these things my mind just thinks about like oh my god like this must be horrible yeah poor little baby like that's just like insane to me that there's no like absolute cure because like i know you said that that wolf spain thing like makes it a little bit better but that's just like wow blows my mind yeah blows my mind her mind is blown, people. Mind is blown! Yeah, like, I just... Jesus. I mean, can you imagine if, like, there was, like, no wizard world and they were just all, like, surrounded by muggles and then that happened and they're just like, oh my god! Like, ugh, Jesus.
And this is Kat summarizing every werewolf story ever. <laughs> I I don't know. Like that's just like wow. It's like when Twilight came out, and my dad like I was listened about to, to say the it's books. The plot of Twilight. No, it's like he listened to the books, and he was like, "Yeah, the werewolves. I mean, the, not the werewolves. The vampires are vegetarians." And I'm like, "What does that mean?" And he's like, "They don't drink blood." And I'm like, "What? What kind of crack is she on right yeah. in this?" Yeah, that's a thing. Max, you're going to be a sticker. Yes, I know your name. Say my name. That's going to be the new contest is I'm going to send people. I'm going to post a picture of my dog's face. And if you do the best drawing of it, um, we will turn your drawing into our new uh, decal. (laughs) Max, you're going to be famous. You're going to be on every iPad in America and overseas. Mm-hmm. Being a real buttholio today. Yeah, then we go to LegaCon, all the questions like are going to be like, so how's Max doing, really? That's all you care all right. about. Also, I think this is one of the longest chapters we've read so far, so we've still got a ways to go, so. Dead of time. Let's do this. Remus opened his eyes, and his gaze landed on the chair beside his bed where Maya sat. He looked tired and confused, which she fully expected. Maya, he whispered hoarsely. She smiled at him affectionately. Hello, Remus. He looked around slowly, panic rising in his eyes. Where am I? In the hospital wing. Do you need another pain potion? What are you doing here? Why are you here? He moved to sit up. But the action was clearly painful. He let out a quiet cry, one hand instinctively reaching around to his back. She took a quick look while he was distracted, glad to see that the wound had healed cleanly, but the scar was still red and the skin was pulled tight. It looked uncomfortable, to say the least. When he returned his focus to her, he jolted, clearly unaware that she had come so close to prevent him from hurting himself more. Maya placed her hands gently on the exposed skin of his shoulders. Calm down, Remus. I'm taking care of you. He pulled away from her, wincing as she touched him. What? No, I'm, I'm fine. J- just a little sick is all. I don't want you to catch anything. I'm not going to, and you are not sick. He looked him into her eyes, terror recognizable in his own. Remus, I know. Y- you, you know? His bottom lip began to quiver, and suddenly, Maya realized his age. This certainly was not the grown man that had been the symbol of strength for her. And that older Remus had been known to break down post-transformation, crying into her arms. This was a terrified 11-year-old boy who had never known kindness in regards to his condition aside from his parents. However, Maya was convinced that he suffered at home as well. "'I know about your lycanthropy,' she said clearly." with as kind a tone as possible. I don't know what... He began, but gave up when tears welled in his eyes. Covering his face with his hands, he asked, How? Anywhere she touched, he tried to pull away, but Maya refused to let him. She soothed the skin of his arms with gentle caresses and smoothed his hair away from his forehead with her fingers. I read books, I know the signs, and I'm even smarter than you, Maya said affectionately. I figured it out last month when you were sick during the full moon. That's why I left you the chocolate frogs. 
I know they make you feel better. She frowned when she reached up to run her fingers through his sweat-soaked hair, and he flinched. Remus whimpered, his hands in his his hand, head. Remus whimpered, his head still in his hands as he cried. You should go. I... You weren't supposed to know. I'm going to have to leave. No one was supposed to find out. No one is going to find out, Maya promised. I brought my suspicions to Dumbledore. And he's given me permission to be here with you each month before and after your transformation. You're... You're not afraid? Remus slowly lowered his hands to look at her, shocked. Of you? Maya smiled. Why would I have a reason to be afraid of you, Remus? I'm a monster, he shouted, eyes flashing gold. Maya growled angrily and the ends of her hair sparked with riotous magic. Don't you dare. That is my friend you're talking about. You are a survivor of something, of a situation that someone else put you in. Tears formed in her eyes as she related to her own words. All you can do is follow the rules, keep people safe, and try to find some semblance of happiness in the process. He shook his head. There's no happiness in this, Maya. There will be, she promised him, as she thought of Tonks and of Teddy. And until you figure it out, it is my job to make it less painful. Do you need another pain potion? Did, did you heal me? he asked, reaching behind his back to touch the scar. Madame Pomfrey did it last month, and it, it feels different. I'm a very fast learner, Remus frowned. I don't want your help. I don't want to hurt you. And I don't want you to hurt longer than you're forced to, she said, not taking no for an answer. You let me take care of you and be there for you so you don't have to be alone. In exchange, I promise to never be in harm's way when you're close to your transformation. It's not like I plan to follow you beneath the whomping willow. His eyes widened. You know about that? Once I told Dumbledore what I'd figured out and that I wanted to help, he explained everything to me. I'm... Remus looked down, suddenly appearing embarrassed and self-conscious. She knew that look. She saw it constantly any time people brought up Harry's past or Ron's family. It was the look someone got when they thought they were being pitied. I'm not another lost stray, like, like Sirius. She smiled down at him. No, you're not. Sirius is a lost pup who needs a good home. Sirius was wounded and beaten, and it had taken him weeks to properly bounce back after his mother had sent that howler the morning after the sorting. You are a boy who happens to be a werewolf who needs a good friend. Why are you so... Remus began, trying to look for the right word. Kind to me, Maya. She swallowed the whimper that threatened to crawl its way out of her throat. Scooting over, she took a seat beside him on the bed, gently putting an arm around his shoulders. He shivered at the touch, and she could see him trying to hold on to his strength, trying not to show weakness. You've never deserved anything less than kindness, Remus. He let out a quiet sob and wrapped his arms around Maya's waist, his shoulders shaking as he cried against her. Her eyes softened at the boy exposing his vulnerability for what, she assumed, was the first time. 
It felt to her like he had opened up his heart right there. She promised herself that she would treat it well. Boom, shakalaka. End of the chapter. I really like that line. You are a survivor of a situation that someone else put you in. That is some deep stuff right there. That is like something Mariska Hargitay would say on SVU. Like, that is like t-shirt worthy. I dig it. Sorry, I dig that. I I dig that. Wow, this is like some Mm -hmm. deep stuff. That was so cute, though. Her body is so adorable. Yeah, Maya's pretty cute. Do we have peeps to thank? We do have peeps to thank, which, again, is going to be difficult because I can't use my computer for it, which is what I normally do. So now I have to... I think we actually may have thanked all of the new people, which is good. Unless... I want to say we already thanked this person, but just in case... Expose 5 is our newest wolfy wolf. Um, Let's go see. Let's go to the zoo, baby. Oh, no. It's let's go to the hop. That's what it is. Let's go to the hop. Oh, baby. Let's go to the hop. Oh, baby. Let's go to the hop. Oh, baby. Let's go to the <gasps> Cat, we have 50 patrons. What? Holy shit. Oh my god. Guys! You crazy sons of bitches, look at you! You beautiful creatures! Wow. That's nuts. Hot dog. Look at y'all getting crazy. <laughs> Get on with your bad self. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, uh... <clears throat> Oh, that means we are halfway to our goal, because once we hit 100, Kat and Claire will travel to host a podcast in the same location. Although that may happen even before we hit 100, because I think we may actually do a live show at LeakyCon. Yeah, how crazy would that be? And where are we going to do this? At LeakyCon. Like, literally. Live at LeakyCon. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, that's going to be a lot of noise for Hannah Beth to edit Oh, no, out, we're just going to okay. do a video. That's going to be like a quick and dirty. But. Oh, I thought you meant like we're actually going to record an episode at LeakyCon, but we're actually at Jackie's, but we're going to say oh, we're no, at. No, no, no. Yeah, no. We're going to do one live at LeakyCon. But the advantage of us okay. both being in Orlando is also that we can um, record in the same place, which would be a lot of fun. Although, I I don't know how it would work because we don't have, like, an audio splitter. So, we'd actually probably have to, like, record in separate rooms or just, like, awkwardly, like, lean in to the microphone every time we have to say something. So, it'll be fun. We'll figure it out. It'll it's be okay. And, and our, the birthday present I got you mm-hmm. might help, too. Yes, it is exciting. Yeah. Oh, she will okay. message That's me exciting. back. Um, but, yes. <sighs> So the level 50 goal was just Merlin saggy pants. So Merlin saggy pants, we have 50 supporters. You guys are crazy. We love you. You beautiful, beautiful fire whiskers. You beautiful, beautiful people spending your hard-earned money to listen to us read and go on tangents. Yeah.
All right. So, as per usual, we would like to thank our producers for this podcast. We would like to thank Rachel, Jackie, Krista, Kelly, Rebecca, Carissa, Ashley, Ryder, Olivia, Aguila, Ashley, Brittany, Claire, Jillian, Elise, Martina, Therese, Amanda, Sarah, Samantha, Miranda, Sophie, Ashley. Oh, God, there were two Ashleys, weren't there? There's an Enstrom, and there's a Thurman. Actually, I feel like there was another. And a Murray. Holy shit, Ashleys. Although one of you is like an Ashley with the fancy with the L-E-I-G-H, and the rest of you are like the L-E-Ys, so like points for being OG. But anyway... That's 23 foxes. Thank you to our 23 foxes. You beautiful creatures are amazing. We love you all so, so much. Um, It is the middle of the month, which is about when we usually start processing our stuff. So for those of you who are not aware, uh, when you become a Patreon for the first time, either as a wolf or a fox, what we are going to do is we are going to... um, wait until about mid-month because sometimes they like try to process things and they get pushed back and then they don't go through so we wait until about the mid-month because that's when everybody has updated all of their payment options and then i go ahead and anybody who needs to get decals and a thank you card everything gets processed then so this weekend i am writing all the thank you cards i am putting all of your stuff into envelopes and then i take that envelope and i send it to cat and cat signs it and then it gets sent out to all of you lovely people so you usually get your Patreon goodies within a month of your first charge. So, I hope that makes sense. But, we love you all. And we are doing a big call. Uh, our wonderful, wonderful graphic designer, Blue Ivy, who did our logo and who's done all of our decals so far, is working on a graduate degree and is getting married congratulations to blue ivy which means that she unfortunately is very limited on time so if we want new decals if we want new t-shirts any of that kind of stuff we now have to look to you fun fans to see if any of you are artistic and would like to try and produce something that we can now use to push out new stuff so if you feel artsy if you want to draw something if you want to send it to us if you make things if you make enamel pins any of that kind of stuff let us know because we would love to have more merch people seem to be more interested in it now that the holidays are finally over with and all of that money has been recouped so if you are interested in creating stuff please let us know we would love to take a look at it feature it on our instagram and our facebook page and uh yeah anything else cat well, not that, well, maybe he will listen someday. I don't know. But Shubes and his girlfriend got married. And the, what I saw on Instagram, her dress looks perfect. And I, the last episode I listened to where he introduced her as Kelly Schubert was like amazing. So congrats to them for getting married. And from what I saw on Instagram, your honeymoon looks amazing as well. So good for you guys. Yay, Shubes. Yeah, and I also like what she changed her Instagram name to because I think that is so cute and like it's like perfect. Because she did shoe et, and I'm like it's like smurf. Oh, that's cute. It's, that's it's adorable. It's so cute. I don't know you guys. Maybe one day we will be at LeakyCon Leaky or something. Con. But I think you guys are adorable. Yes. So adorable. 
Also, yes, for sure going to LeakyCon. Also, my hubs may be here, which means that he will either A, stay here and watch the dog, or B, potentially come with. And no, no, that's not going to happen. If I take him to Orlando to go to the theme parks, I'm not spending three days at LeakyCon. I am dragging him to all of the theme parks. But, so, we will be at LeakyCon and my husband will be babysitting the dog and it'll be great. We will have confirmation of that in about 10 days. But, anyway, for those of you who are going, excited to see you. And we're excited to get new listeners. So, if you're listening to this now, it is March 13th. And uh, we are already excited to meet you, those of you who we get to listen to us from LeakyCon. And I uh, heard from Ryder yesterday, and she had taken a break because of the holidays, as many people did, and we totally understand that, but was very excited because she had like seven or ten episodes to catch up on and was listening to it and loved it, and we love her, and thank you, thank you, thank you for continuing to be a supporter even when (laughs) you were incredibly busy raising a crazy, brilliant toddler, so thank you for continuing to support us, and thank you to all of our Patreons, and thank you to my wonderful, wonderful co-host, who I love, my wife cat they can't hear you when you do the silent screams i know but apparently my blushing has noise so i'm giving them the noise (laughs) (laughs) actually yeah you you blushing during like sexy time things is more like uh, 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 um, uh, 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 (laughs) awkward laughter yeah, I'm kind of like Ted in How I Met Your Mother when he sees boobs and he just goes, <laughs> Yeah, it's literally you. Okay, well, we will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday because I got to pee. <laughs> as per usual. And I have to yes. go play with my dog, as per usual. Okay. All right. Bye, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Peace, love. Starbucks. I like good stuff. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.